Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. And Nick Prignance. You're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, you probably noticed right away we got Nick in the studio again. How Dude. the hell are you, Nick? Glad to be here, guys. It's always a treat. Yeah. I feel special today. Yeah, it's special. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, if you're new to the show, Nick Pregnitz is owner and founder of Duramax Tuner Calibrated Power. Uh, he comes down to the show once in a while. We drag him into the studio to talk about cool stuff. No, no, no. He will like nonchalantly be like, how's the podcast going? Pretty good. You haven't had me on in a while. You want to get on there? <laughs> I really enjoy the interviews. All right, Nick, well, let's do something. So that's how this started. Uh, so Nick's going to be with us co-hosting throughout the episode, and then uh, towards the end here, we're going to dive into some L5P talk. Let's do it, man. All right. Uh, kicking us off, Ford towing and tuning. So once you've tuned your Ford, how does it tow? Should you tune your Ford for towing? We just did a Diesel Insights with Nick on this topic. I love towing with the Ford. It's so crazy with it. Uh, I got to drive down to Indy with Tyler and drive back with Joey in the F450 with a, a big trailer, big bumper pull on there. You've had a couple of chances, too, towing with that that 450, right? Yeah, towing with the 450 is awesome. I mean, just the, the enclosed trailer got the uh, pull for a few hours the other uh, couple months ago. That was fun. Um, when we went out to Alligator's event. Yep. Uh, Mahoney drove, but I did get to get a little little passenger seat time in there. <laughs> uh, it's always neat to. I, I enjoy watching other people and hearing other people's experiences yeah. with the truck. Yeah, because for me, I mean, I know I can drive around issues I don't like, and even if I kind of <laughs> know they're there, like I still find myself like doing that. Um, but watching other people drive the truck, it, it gives you an interesting perspective on things, and I always enjoy that and hearing other people's feedback. So, Yeah, we went to go shoot a video with Mahoney when he got back. We actually just published it to the Calibrated Power YouTube channel uh, with his review of that that trip out there. Because it was a couple thousand miles and a couple days in the it truck. 4,000 miles. Yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, in literally a weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... Dual tandem with the truck and, the you know, it was not a light load. <laughs> not at all, man. And we're like three quarters of the way through the video. And I just realized that for like the fourth time, he's like, yes, we towed all the way out there and back in the big tune. Uh, no problems up over all the pass. I'm like, stop telling people you're towing in the big tune. But it, it I, I do want to call that out because it's published and now yeah. people are seeing it. Um, you can, but Tim's also very well in tune with that truck. He's watching all the gauges. He yeah. knows what's going on. I mean, there's a couple of things about that that are, you know, I cringed a little bit when I heard that too. <laughs> um, I, I think you can tow in the big tune if you know what's going on. And uh, what also adds to that uh, ability is the F450's got 430 gears in it, right. stock tires. So, I mean, it's always in its rev range. It's always happy. It's not like it's pulling down at 1600 rpm or 1400 rpm and really lugging the truck indefinitely you know it's always kind of in its rev range there whereas uh if you have an f350 or an f250 it's got 331 gears and you're on 35s or 37s you know your your operating window uh is just so much wider and it's so much harder on the truck right yeah and, and that's what we've seen is we've seen customers towing the big tune uh with emissions equipped trucks like the 450 before and run into some issues this one obviously did not and like you said gears and speed knowing the truck all these are factors into what's going to happen uh really the cool thing i think about the tow tunes they're designed for towing i mean i know that sounds super simplistic but but it is more than just limiting the fuel or limiting the power of the truck right yeah i mean it's it's having the torque curve built to take advantage of you know, where the truck is happy and you want to operate the truck where the engine is the most efficient and take advantage of that rev range, you know, and not be, not be tacking it out at, at full fuel at 3,500 RPM or lugging it really hard at 15, 1400 RPM or, or, or in thereabouts. You know what I mean? You want to be operating the truck where it's happiest, especially when you're adding power. And that's what the tow tunes do is they limit your fueling at those ends of the spectrum. Uh, not as much as stock would, but still, you know, compared right. to the race tune, they're going to limit that fueling. And that's just the smart way to operate the vehicle. I dig it. Chris, you've gotten a lot of experience with towing with your Cummins, uh, with the twin turbos, and obviously some some experience prior to those, uh, and towing with like the Duramax and the Ford. If you had to throw the same trailer on one of those three trucks, your 15 Cummins, call it just a Jamie's 15 LML or the F450, which one do you think you would jump into? So I, a couple of things that like Nick touched on a minute ago was um, having – a lot of seat time and experience and driving around certain flaws of the truck. All three trucks, stock for stock for stock, the 450 is going to out-tow the Chevy or the Dodge. Yeah. Um, 
I do, you know, I'm going to be playing a little bit of that favoritism because I do like my Ram, but it also has compounds. It's not a stock truck. Any tow vehicle, if you could, if you can afford it and you can swing compounds, it, they're worth their weight. Well, I guess there's there's the real what if question, right? So you have the stock 450, right. okay, with a tune on it, but single turbo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a tune. There's no other mods right. to that truck, but it is a 450. Right. So it's dually, it's long bed, it's huge. Yeah. Or you get your truck with the twin turbo, so quad cab, short bed. I would compounds. have to say, I would have to say, from a power delivery standpoint at cruising speeds, not from a stability standpoint. Like if you're looking at an all-around badass tow rig, you're not going to beat what any of the, what the 450 brings to the table. Right. Stability. I mean, we've towed with the 450. I've gone in uh, with our gooseneck trailer. Uh, it's like what is that? A 40 foot. Yeah. Right? 40 uh, foot. Yep. Electric dovetail with our. Uh, Project Connect truck. Right. You didn't even know any of that was back there. Um, it It's a solid runner for okay. sure. Um, but if I guess if I had to compare, you know, what my truck set up for versus like Jamie, our uh, general manager of Duramax right. 15 LML. 15 LML. I Early would take, 15. I would take mine over that any day. Right. Yeah. Well, th- th- yeah, and I think that's a that's a little more obvious of a choice, mm-hmm. which is why I thought it would be interesting to kind of draw that comparison yeah. out. For the 450, the whole chassis is built for towing. Oh, I, I mean, that's the whole yeah. that's what that truck is for, right? And you I wouldn't think, get that to daily drive it. And I think what's crazy too is you take that 450 and unhook it from the trailer. Uh, you'll see in that video that you guys did. I mean, Timmy dirt dragged it all weekend. <laughs> he was racing. He won. He won the class. <laughs> he won the stock turbo yeah. dirt drag class after driving 2,000 yeah. miles with a gooseneck behind yeah. it. Like, in the same tune. In the same tune, right? Yeah. He didn't take it out of race tune, go figure. But no. taking that truck and taking it out on the street, it's light on its feet. The gears play a big role. Oh, but yeah. the Ford platform as a whole is such a strong platform to work off of. It's very receptive to tuning. They make phenomenal horsepower and torque numbers right out of the gate. They put power down really well, really too. Well. I mean, that truck gets out of the hole quickly, yep. and it's up. It's in second gear. It's locked up, and it goes. Yeah. Like, there's no there's no drama around shifting. There's no, like, excessive defuel. It just boogies you were just drag racing it like two weekends ago i took will to the drag strip with me and we were drag racing and i won two races i mean it's with with your five-year-old son in a my car five-year-old seat in son in the car seat in the back yeah uh he loved it <laughs> but, this is uh, so fast dad like mm. i mean i don't think i was fa- I w- one was like a six liter and the other i don't remember what the other was but but here I mean, they were the, they were the same speed yeah. right like four we were the, but a 450 a 450 yeah. what a trip uh, what was it, 94, 93? And what was the quarter mile? Uh, 1450, 1460. A 14-second tow rig, right? Do you remember Do you remember when we, the black LML we took up to Great Lakes Dragway? Yeah, when we the first started. very first tunes that like had ever been put on an LML, and the best time we got all night was a 13.9. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was hell to get out of the 14s in that truck. Yeah, and that and that was still a single rear wheel. That was still oh, a was single rear wheel truck. truck. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean the Ford. That's a dense truck. <laughs> it's very <laughs> dense, man. That thing is heavy. Yeah, it's a heavy truck. It's a fucking shit brick house. It is absolutely. Well, um, we do have a few other updates here. Now we're not always sure on when these episodes are going to publish. Uh, so kind of time depending here. You may have either just seen or just about to see a new announcement around. HX35 Stealth 64 and the 351-341 CW Stealth 67. I wanted to dedicate just a couple minutes mm-hmm. to talking about these new turbos over at Calibrated Power. Uh, obviously, Chris, you're probably the flagship truck uh, back on the 351 Stealth 64 mm-hmm. that obviously also developed into the 341 because they're just right. different wastegates. Uh, but now we're, we're into the 67s and it's already taking off. Yeah, I mean, the, the Stealth 64 is is one of the most popular turbos, uh, I would say, in, in present time out of all the Stealth series um, because it works. You know, it's a drop-in turbo. It's easy to install. It drives very similar to stock as far as response time, and it offers enough airflow to support 700-wheel horsepower, which we've done multiple times. It's great for towing for guys that are in, in stock configuration, but again, again, the ability to grow. Um, <clears throat> we've been getting a lot of requests to broaden our offerings. Um, so Nick, oh, you know, Nick and uh, the guys in the turbo department, they started the R&Ding process, and now there's a 67 millimeter version that's available. That it, it's going to be, you know, uh, geared towards a higher horsepower application. But again, the guys that want to do things in stages, that ability to grow, and then offering something for the second gen guys. We're not just talking about VP trucks here. We're talking 1994 through. 2002, right. drop and replacement turbochargers that, 
you know, uh, I don't want to disclose any numbers or anything because we are kind of working on some of that stuff and we have those numbers. I just wait for the videos to go live. Right. But it's just, it's really cool to be a part of what used to be one RPO, one turbocharger. We took what we learned from that. I mean, I remember the first 64, I had to push Nick like, hey, we need to do this, you know? So it's, it's just really cool. I remember that silver, my silver regular cab, I... I asked Nick to do me a favor and come in early one morning uh, and be on the dyno with me. And Nick taught me how to tune and, and do all that on my old truck. And we were going through the tunes and every truck, every tune, the truck just kept making more power. And Nick's like, what the fuck did you do? Like <laughs> this little turbocharger, you know, it's making crazy power. And, uh, you know, it, that turbo's still in one piece and still on the truck. That truck's, the motor's still in one piece. The truck's not in one piece anymore. Does it, but, uh, does it bother you that it's no longer your truck that's the flagship? Because now it's going to be Jim Rendon because uh, he's running the, the 350 Jim who? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I look at it, uh, having the ability right where we're, you know, where we are and utilizing resources to drive all the newer vehicles and stuff. He can he can have you know that that mega cab with the sixty seven. I am very very content with my fifteen. Thanks, Nick. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, I I am a firm believer. Uh, I like the quietness. Uh, I like the response responsive power that the compounds offer. Who knows? Uh, there'll probably be a sixty four or a sixty seven going on that truck sooner than later. You know, I'm going to edit everything you replied with and just put in yes, right? Yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Maybe. Uh, you know, what I took and learned from the silver, the 07, put that into the 15 and do something there and take the compounds off eventually. Hey, speaking of learning, we're going to jump on that segue and slide right on over to Exergy's do's and don'ts. Uh, we got Nick in house, and this is one I've heard you preach about for a lot of years, Nick. So we're going to kind of let you run with this. I'm going to, I'm going to do it a little bit differently than usual. I'm going to read you the do and the don't. You might notice they're related. Sure. Um, the do. Leave your truck fuel limited. As you're building your truck, leave it limited by the fuel. Don't leave it air limited. Uh, Nick, break it down. Yeah, this is this is all about my experience over the past 11 years. Uh, my experience working with uh, gearheads, people who are uh, impulsive, suckered by temptation, uh, subject to... Uh, the impulse to one-up their friends, right? I don't know why you're calling me and Chris out right now. We're yeah. in the room with you. <laughs> I mean, the reality, it's an egotistical thing it, in all reality. It sucks, but it's true. Hey, motorsports is, you know, it's, it is. it's a masculine performance-driven thing. And, and uh, here, here's the deal. Do leave it fuel limited. Why? Because if you want to turn it up, you literally have to turn a wrench and spend money to turn the truck up. If the truck is air limited, uh, you have extra fuel. You know what I mean? And, and, when the truck is air limited, it runs hot. And that means that it's up to you to turn the truck down to keep it safe. And if you're turning the truck down in the tune to keep it safe, that means you can turn it up just as easily to be unsafe. And <laughs> temptation is going to be there to turn it up and be unsafe. You're going to be at the track running a 13.15 at 105 miles an hour and think, man, if I could just run 12.90, this day would just be perfect. And your EGTs are already at 1550. You're like, ah, yeah, what's another, you know, what's, what's tune five? Hey, let's run it at 1650 degrees a few times and see what happens. Um, <laughs> and it, it just, <laughs> you see what I'm getting at here. The point is. We watch this every year at Byron. Like this exact yeah. scenario you're describing. So Byron's a local out. track. It's, yeah. Somebody is, is in the pits fiddling around with just. Just a little more. Just give me a little bit more. And a little bit more, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if it's not there, if the truck is pump limited or injector limited, the temptation, you know, it, it's just the air is going to be there. The truck's going to run cool. It's going to be over aired, and it's always better to run the truck lean, uh, especially if you're on a budget. Yeah. Well, I was, I, go ahead, Chris. One thing I want to touch on here is uh, when we spec a build, okay, there's always a theory here to go a little bit, you know, when we talk about the higher horsepower application, go a little bit bigger on injector, scale things back. That's not to say that we feel comfortable pushing it. It's that we know with this size injector, we can run this pulse width and, and be comfortable. What Nick is trying to say, or, you know, what Nick is saying directly is just because you have a turbo setup that's capable of X, don't push the fuel to make X. You want the turbocharger set up just to be a tad more so the turbos are running in their peak efficiency range or within their efficiency range per se. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you know a stocker S475 kit is right. 750 wheel and you have enough fuel for 800, well, that, I mean, honestly, a stocker S475 kit, if you drive it hard enough, it could probably do 800. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's yeah. that's the whole thought process around this is yeah, there is a science to these blueprints that we always talk about in making sure that the parts that are recommended are going to suit your needs and still be reliable. Absolutely. So. Yeah, when we send a truck out the door we want that little bit of little bit of gray, right? Reasonable <laughs> EGT, keeping the injector in the pulse width range and the timing range that it should be. You got the timing cranked up, you got the pulse width cranked up, the things trailing smoke out the back the whole way down the track. It's just not long for this world is yeah. the bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. Or that dude's motor. <laughs> <laughs> I always love when we see him drive to the track and then roll coal all the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, oh, that's a long ride home, man. Yep. I don't know where you live, but it, it's not going to be a quick trip. Uh, all right, guys, from Facebook, this segment sponsored by our friends over at WC Fab. Jason Worley and the boys uh, have a great shop over there that just recently expanded two powder coat booth operations. Uh, more welders, more fabricators, more shipping, more everything. So if you're looking for any of the products they supply, definitely hit them up. Check them out at wcfab.com. Today's from Facebook is from Tanner Howard. Uh, we've talked to Tanner actually quite a few times over the past, uh, but he sent us a new message. I thought it was pretty good. So, Hey, guys. So I heard you talk a lot about LML and LBZ bottom ends and what they can take. What about LB7s and LLYs? I've been looking into compounds after all my issues were solved. We had talked about some fueling issues in the past. Sure. But after reading around and seeing that 650 is the limit for the LLY bottom end, I'm getting a bit skeptical. Would it be logical to have compounds on a stock injector truck and have the bottom end limited by fuel? So pretty similar to what we're talking about right here. So we're talking about an LLY, but I think all this will be applicable for an LB7 as well. Mm-hmm. Um Nick, back in the day when Danny was around, Danny and I had weeks of talking about LBZ bottom ends and if they could handle 650 or 750. Uh, you and Bob Peterson came on, did an episode around Dead Man's Land, yeah. uh, talking about like hey, no man's land. No man's land. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you you can hit a number. Is it safe? There's a lot of other things to look at. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of those kind of staples are still here, right? Boost to drive pressure ratio, EGTs. RPM injector size injector size they they all factor into hugely if that horsepower number is possible for your build yeah right yeah and what I would say you know to answer Tanner's question is yes 650 is possible on an LB7 or an LOI bottom end in order to do it somewhat reliably you're going to need a 60 percent or larger injector mm-hmm. would be my spec um, and I I'd probably just go 100 percent injectors um, that's going to allow you to run quite a bit lower timing and when you can run that lower timing you can manage peak cylinder pressure and peak cylinder pressure is the main contributing factor to compressing the rods which is the failure mode on a stock uh, stock rod engine right so a stock inject when as soon as i hear stock injector my ears perk up because now you're going to try and make 650 horsepower with stock injectors well now your pulse width is going to be so long that you either have to add timing to keep the pulse width in check, or your EGTs are going to get out of control. So a, a, let's just call it a 3,200 microsecond tune. So that's how long the injector stays on, on a stock injector to make 650 horsepower. In order to run the injectors uh, efficiently, and efficiently is a very generous word here because it's not efficient, <laughs> uh, with, thir- with 3,200 microseconds, your timing needs to be in the high 20s at least. Call it 28 degrees. At 28 degrees of timing at 650 horsepower on a stock injector, your peak cylinder pressure is significant. And it's higher than a 100% injector would be at, say, uh, 1,850 microseconds. You know, you might be only need 18, 19, 20 degrees of timing to get the same job done. Right. And so th- that's the that's the trade-off, right? And these guys trying to get 650 horsepower to stock long block, the reality is the money's not there for the 100% injector Right. Well, I I always have this thing when I hear 650, I always laugh. I'm like, the numbers are 600, 750, and 1,000. Those are the numbers we go for. (coughs) If you fall in between, that's great. Or like if you happen to slide over one of those marks, (laughs) that's fine. But like that's how we build the trucks. That's where the rest of your major components lead you. So to me, I I think the question here is can I run stock injectors, stock bottom end with a twin turbo kit? Absolutely. Hell I yeah. love that build. That is a great build. That That's a 600 horsepower that's build. That's a really nice 600 you horsepower truck. You gave up 50 yeah. horsepower. Guess what? From 600 to 650, <laughs> I challenge you to know the difference driving it. Man, like, you like don't legit. understand, man. My butt told me. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the seat. I could feel yeah. that 50 horse. 
the, the eyeball dinos off, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Same yeah. thing between 800 and 1,000. Yeah. You're not going to notice the difference. I don't care who you are. Yeah. You're not. And when you build for 1,000, that, that's one of those like milestones that you're like, I have a 1,000 horsepower build. It draws us back to that kind of conversation about ego. It's You're doing it to hit that number. And that, that's totally fine. We have no problem with that and we'll completely support it. Um, but when you're looking at 600 or 650, trust me, 600 is what you want because 650 – we're also talking about can the pump handle it? It's an LB7 pump. Yeah, okay, an LOY pump. Sure. Uh, yeah, you're like, not going to get. It. I mean, it's it's unlikely. I think I've seen one LB7 pump stock injector twin turbo truck go 650 on my dyno. Right. One. And and it was and like you said, for what? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not going to measure it anywhere else. So short answer. Um, yes, you can run twin turbos stock injector truck. I get a lot of questions of head studs on these. Um, I know generally as a policy, I think we're all on the same page here for a Duramax. We never preemptively do head studs. I don't usually recommend it. I would yeah. say if you're going to take the time to do head studs, do it after you lose a head gasket. Right. Just just be prepared um, you know, to do it. And the reality is you can probably nurse at home if it loses a head gasket. You know, It's not like it's going to stop your trip. Yeah, you probably lose heat, but <laughs> <laughs> you'll be able to get home and do the, do the head gaskets on it. I mean, I... From what I've seen and, and dealt with and uh, just with all the trucks that we've had at the shop, usually you run into like a bottom end issue, you know, before yeah. you see a high gasket failure. Yep. So that rod might compress, a piston might crack. You know, I've, I've seen stuff, a crank. Oh, God. I've seen those. You know, I, I see those more so than yeah. a popped head gasket. Yeah. A preemptive head, preemptive head studs is just not... It's a Cummins thing. Cummins guys are, are really big into this. Um, they're a big leader in diesel performance communities just as a whole. Uh, so I think a lot of that translates over. Also, guys hear about higher failure rates of, of head gaskets on LB7s and LLYs. Sure. Nobody wants to get stranded. That's always the fear. How do I make my truck reliable? Yeah. yeah. Right? The thing, too, that are always coaches, when you hear about these older trucks that are having these premature failures, you have to start to dive into what the truck was being used for and the modifications. Nine times out of ten. It's a maintenance issue. Or it's <laughs> a very aggressive pressure box, box-style tuner. No, we've never seen um, that. You know, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Once yeah. or twice, right? Yeah. Once or twice, some wild tunes in it. Cool, man. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, guys. It is that time to dive into Calibrated Power's a special guest. Nick, you're representing Calibrated Power and you're the special guest. So I guess usually we ask things like, what got you started in diesel performance? What's your ultimate diesel dream build? We've asked you all this stuff. Uh, I think today, what what is your next diesel build? Uh, my next diesel build is a 1995 Humvee. Uh, after driving Blair Outland's Humvee, I got bit, man. I got the bug. Um, so we're going to put one of those together. It's a wagon. We're doing a uh, Stealth 67 G2 on it. Haven't decided if we're going to do anything in front of that. A <laughs> That a means compounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a motor that was sitting on the shelf turned into rods and pistons. So, yeah, it just keeps going up from here. Um, really excited about it, though. They're, they're very fun vehicles. I've heard this story before. Um, <laughs> the Derberg six is week a really fun vehicle. Six-week build, quick swap, no worries, gravy, <laughs> no body said, work. You're putting words in his mouth because he never said any of that this time. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, so there, there is a Humvee project going on. There's a Humvee project going on. Some variables still up in the air with it, but it's going to come out badass. What have we learned over the past years, Paul? We've learned that momentum is king right. on a project like this, right? you got to have milestones in – the milestones are what drives the team, right? So if you're not hitting the milestones, bull. Do you know, I have this thing about the shop lately that like every department is in this mad dash for real estate. So like the more, the larger of a footprint you can make in our, our building, uh, the more important you are and the less people can stop what you're doing. Right. And I went to go walk through the shop today Aaron's, and there- Aaron's making some Aaron, big... Aaron, the tech working on the Humvee. It's got to be like a 40-foot diameter just across the circle of parts oh, around yeah. the Humvee. It's, it's a crime scene in there. Yeah. I, lo I love it. He's not going to stop till it's done because no, to serious. clean up at this point is 20 hours. Right. So right. might as well finish. Yeah. I mean, the good news is we got the engine in the machine shop. We got a 
plan to roll the chassis into Whirly's sandblast booth and powder it. coat, and I hope he's listening. Cause... <laughs> because we haven't told him yet. <laughs> and that's for free 99 too. So that's... <laughs> Sponsors welcome. Um, <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. That should be a really fun project. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what it does off-road. I, neither can I. I, I mean, that's that's the whole that's the whole goal of it, right? Is uh, get out there and use it and bounce around. And uh, Apila Motorsports is hooking us up with some uh, really sweet uh, King shocks and like nasty oh, yes. off-road setup coilovers. So I mean, my 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 hope is that this thing kind of handles like Raptor style off-road. You know, Ooh. You got the you've shown some interest in the Raptor too. So this is kind <laughs> of like your. I kind of enjoy that, like you know, just yeah. dirt road, uh, you know, fire road, hot rod. Awesome, man. I'm excited. Well, I'm stoked. Well, while we're building that, um, the other thing we've been talking about forever is L5P. Yeah. So the 2017 and newer Duramaxes uh, have been out and on the roads for a while now, and tuning is knocking at the door. So finally being able to tune it. Can you walk maybe some of our our listeners who aren't into the L5P nonsense? What was so hard about tuning it? Why is tuning just coming out now in 2018 if the truck's been out for well over a year? Yeah. Uh, so the major hurdle on the tuning side is is the security in the processor. And so what's what's happened is that uh, essentially the processor has had to be R&R'd with an unlocked processor. <laughs> and so uh, it's taken HP tuners to kind of uh, figure that out, pioneer that process. And they're the first ones to bring this unlocked unlocked ECM to market. And what this allows us to do is have full control over the ECM and the TCM in the truck, which is what you need to have custom tuning. So, so far up to now, we've had some box programmers. We've had uh, Banks' product has been on the market. So we've had like between, what, 30 and 60 horsepower. Yeah. And the truck does, I mean, I think we've dynoed probably five of them now. They've all been 405, 406, 407 at the tire. Right. So it's a 405 horsepower truck, call it, um, with the with the thing turned all the way to the nines, it's a 600-horsepower truck, you know, like if Whirly Dino's his here, right? Yeah. Um, what we found is that the the turbocharger, as far as its ability to control air, is good to about 530, 535 horsepower. And when I say control air, I mean keep the truck clean enough to keep the particulate down so that we're not filling up the emission system. So call the emission system good long-term 535. Right. Okay. Interestingly, I would call the trans long-term good 535 <laughs> as well. The uh, the L5P has a uh, very uh, responsive new style turbocharger compared to the previous years. It's got a really good airflow system on it, um, air handling system strong. And uh, what that means is that we have quick spool up and big torque, and big torque is hard on transmission parts. And so the, the, the truck is the first Duramax that I've seen that's had the ability to go 1,400 foot-pounds stock. Yeah, yeah. And, and we we did a video on that. It's not the horsepower; it's the torque. It's Guys the were asking torque, us like, yeah. what's different about the L5P trans not really being reliable past 550 and the LML trans? A lot of guys feel they ran their trucks at 600 on a stock trans. And you can run an LML at 700 horsepower on a stock trans with tuning. I'm not going to say it's going to last forever, right? But as long as the torque number stays at that 1200 number, you're okay. And, and really, what that means is, as you add power, it needs to be kind of that higher RPM power. So, uh, for instance, a Stealth 67 G2, shift the RPM range a little bit, a little bit further north, right? right. As the RPM range is a little bit further north, you take the, you take that crack out of the torque curve at 1400, 1600 RPM, which just keeps the transmission that much happier. Yeah. Um, the L, L5P, yeah, it makes you know 570, 580, 600 horsepower, but, whew. Yeah, work <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, you're nasty. talking 1350, 1400 on 1400 our dyno. on our dyno is not yeah. an easy number to no. make. No, no, no. And on the street, like that thing's fucking nasty. Yeah. <laughs> it is so impressive driving that truck. Yeah, it holds a gear like a come like I mean, yeah. like your Cummins with the twin turbo yep. on it. You know what I mean? Like it it just bites, holds that gear and the turbocharger goes from nothing to well, 33, 34 pounds of boost. Let's, you know, let, let's dive into that. So sure. we've been R&Ding the L5 now for going on a couple months. Yep. Okay. Um, we've put a put a good amount of miles on that truck tuned. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you gave me the go-ahead to take the truck on a 2,200-mile trip out to Virginia and back sure. uh, for a couple truck deals. Yep. And, uh, you know, to compare, like, you know, the, the 15 Ram twin-turbo to that, the down-low in the mid-range, it's the torque. You know, especially when you have a 40-foot trailer behind you, you don't feel it. The truck is not working hard to pull that trailer and, and maintain speed. Where I always like to talk and joke around, like, oh, you know, you put twin turbos on something like the 2.8, you know, we talked about the other day, or like the Cummins, they just like to go 70, 80 mile an hour. Yeah. The L5 just likes to do that stock, <laughs> you know, with a tune. Like, it's a really responsive truck, like you was saying. Um, yeah, you commonly find yourself exceeding the speed limit. Yeah, it's awesome. It's <laughs> <laughs> very easy. But Chris, I think you were talking about that trip out to Virginia yeah. and going through some of the R&D process. So yeah. R&D, I, I think that's one of those terms we hear people talk about but not really understand what that means and, mm -hmm. and how long that takes. Because it's really easy to put a truck on a dyno and run it and say, here's the number yeah. stock and here's the number tuned and here's all my numbers in between. And there's the data, there's the R&D, there's the testing, there's the yeah. proof, done, mm -hmm. right? Like, what else would you need to check? Uh, how about long-term reliability? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was even going to start start smaller. How about how about on the street application? Yeah. How does this thing feel when you're cruising through a school zone and then get out of the school zone and have to get on the throttle? And the million other driving scenarios you find yourself in the real world right. where it's not just a dyno pull, right? right? A dyno pull is a very specific window, seven-second sweep. Seven-second sweep, yep. No altitude, no <laughs> light throttle, no backing up to a trailer, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the real world applications where you honestly are probably never going to be in fourth gear with your foot on the floor for seven seconds unless you're on a dyno. Yeah. Right? Like that's yeah. just probably never going to happen in the real world. So looking at how those things happen in our world and then going back and making the adjustments and making the changes, looking at data log after data log after data log and understanding it. And then like Chris, the reason you guys got to take that down to Virginia, my understanding was we felt we were at a really good place with tuning and we needed to test some of that long-term, put a trailer on it, run this thing across the country and see what happens. Yeah. yeah it was kind of a, you know, need to, need to see how that emission system is going to handle the way the tune is set up now being beat on and being beat on means being in altitude, having a load behind it, having untrained, un, you know, uncoached drivers. Right. It, right. Like, <laughs> I mean, Chris has got three bangs in them and, <laughs> True statement. Yeah. <laughs> Three bangs and 15 minutes of sleep in the last two right, days. Exactly, right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just no concern. I mean, if you're out doing a 15-minute test drive on a truck and you just built the file for it, I mean, you're going to have a tendency to want to see the best in that gal. Right. Right. Put it in somebody else's hand. That's why my wife drive all the vehicles we tune. <laughs> she doesn't care. You know what I mean? Like, I won't, she'll, she'll complain about it. Yeah. No, I think, you know, first off, the term R&D, research and development. Um it's crazy to think back right when the L5P stuff launched, you know, through HP tuners, there was so much hype in the office, like, oh, this shop, they're going to market, they're doing this, they're doing that. And a couple of the guys who have been in the office for enough <laughs> uh, product launches are like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> too early, too early. <laughs> so fast forward three weeks, uh, two of the guys at the shop, myself, we go out to Virginia, Okay. Um, driving back, uh, going through, we were going in, we were in Maryland at this point. Yeah. Uh, truck gets a check engine light, reduce power. Awesome. Uh, you would, you would think we'd bring scan tools, uh, just something, right? Oh, three guys who work in a tuner shop. Yeah. And one of them is in the <laughs> R and D department. <laughs> so we, without diving in too deep, um, there is a, a code that appears within the emission system that if there is an issue, the only way to clear it is with like a tech two, correct? Uh, yeah. The only way to clear it was to do a forced regen. A forced regen, uh, which a tech two would be. Yeah. The, it's not that we didn't bring in. I no, we did. You, we did bring a. didn't bring tuning tools or right. scan tools. You didn't bring a tech two correct, or an MDI. Correct. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're, we're driving this truck now. Uh, at this point, we have no option. It's night. We need to get back. So we're driving the truck, derated, going through PA, you know, going through the, the hills, mountains, whatever you will. Um, and it dawns on us that uh, we actually had a spare ECM. So yeah, the back seat. We, we swapped them. <laughs> and then we had a stock truck to drive the rest of the way home. And we had hours of data logging. We had hours of data that, you know, we were having a better understanding of what that issue was. 
Right. Okay. Um, where I'm going with this story is if we were to have gone to market, that would have been a customer. Mm-hmm. And you've been on the phone with customers when, you know, things might not go as planned. Uh, I have. Uh, that would have been a really tough spot to talk or coach someone or to troubleshoot you you don't know not not even not i'm just not even talking about fixing the problem how do i troubleshoot that over the phone and you can't you can't dyno the truck to make that (laughs) happen right you know and you can't drive the truck the half hour that i drive to and from you know work or nick or you i mean you got to put the truck in a real world scenario you got to put it under on a trailer under a load and then that doesn't even mean just an hour to and from you know the local sled pull track you got to get it on the open road you have to run it yeah. And there were three guys in the truck with three different driving styles that that truck went through within those 2,000 miles. And it was just, it was a good learning experience. And the truck hasn't had that issue since. No, know? I mean, we learned a lot from that trip. We learned what caused that. We learned how to get around it yep. in the calibration. Uh, we learned how to help coach customers, even if they have like a stock file, mm-hmm. right, that causes that issue. Yeah. We, we know how to resolve it. Yeah. So everybody in the office is smarter for it, but it took an investment of time and resources yeah. and energy to, to figure that out. Absolutely. So, and that's the big thing, you know, just there's a reason the product hasn't gone to market. Well, I, I want to talk about that because there is there is a market I think that we're kind of starting to see as like the white elephant in the room or the pink elephant in the room here um, about the delete market. Uh, obviously, we're in the Midwest. There's been a lot of heat around uh, the term delete uh, throughout the industry yeah. over the last few years, and I think ramped back up here pretty recently. But there's obviously, we, we know that this exists, right? There are people going out and deleting their L5Ps. Now, one of the things we haven't hit on is it took a year and a half, two years, whatever, for L5P tuning to come out, like just the ability to build a custom tune. That meant that another company had a lot of R&D, and there's a lot of cost in it. Mm-hmm. So this is by far the most expensive uh, heavy-duty pickup that that's that's going to be tuned. To tune, yeah. Right. Uh, can we talk a little bit about like what, what that cost is? So I, I think I'll hit off a couple basic numbers. Everybody in the market is 2500 bucks for an unlocked ECM. You have to get an unlocked ECM to do this. True. There's a core charge on the ECMs. Um, most guys probably are not going to send their cores back. That's just my opinion. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. You then have to buy HP Tuners credits. Uh, there's 200 bucks there. 500. 500 bucks there by the time you're- 200 oh, on the TCM. 200 on the TCM, 300 for the ECM. So you're $500 in, in credits. No, it, you're- Oh, well, I'm sorry. To be technical- there is five hundred dollars in, in worth of credits for the engine, so it's ten full credits, depending on uh, what VCM suite you buy, uh, the HP yeah. whatever, uh, the MPVI two or whatever. You would either buy it with needing ten credits for the engine plus another yes. four credits. Anyways, it's engine. expensive, man. I mean, before you t- before you buy a custom tune, you're three grand into this real fast. Thirty. Four hundred. You're four. You're four thousand dollars into hardware, engine unlock, trans unlocking credits to to be able to do anything. That's that's not the custom tuner's time to write the calibrations at that point. Right. It's yeah. just all your unlocks, fees, and and ECM TCM. Okay. So now, if you want to delete it, not only do you have all of that plus the cost of your tune calibration, you still now have an exhaust which. Does that, have you heard any releases yeah, it, on it, L5P exhaust? It's out. Exhausts have been out for a while. They've been okay. around with certain, you know, uh, certain sources, back alley right. channels have it. Um, right. But the thing that guys need to keep in mind is, uh, in order to do a successful, air quotes, delete, uh, the turbocharger has to actually have to come out of the truck. You have to remove the downpipe that way with how everything sits. It's a very in depth and, and very time consuming to do this. Yeah. Um, and what are you gaining? Yeah. So, well, I, I was just going to go through some of that, right? So you got you got to pull the turbo to pull. Is it the CAD or the SCR in the back of that? Uh, so it's DOC. Oh, the it's the DOC. catalyst. Okay. Uh, so you got a DOC on the back of the turbo. So you have to pull the whole turbo out, which is not an easy job on that. You got to drop the exhaust. You still got an EGR valve you got to talk about, and you still got a def tank you got to talk about. Um, all of this... For, for I think where you're going on that, but all of this has a cost to each one of those and then a cost to labor to each one of those, all well within the hundreds of dollars. Oh, yeah. So now we're talking before you bought a tune calibration, you're at least five, six grand? 
Yeah, I would I would suspect that we would be somewhere in the five to six thousand dollar range. Um, that's doing it at home too. That's no, doing it. I mean, yeah. by the time you're paying someone, you're over six thousand dollars. Okay, yeah, and still no tuning. Right. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you had to hack your sixty, seventy thousand dollar truck up. <laughs> yeah, is that an expense? Uh, having to smell diesel fuel, losing your warranty. Uh, you know. No, I'll, I'll challenge you on that, taking, right? Sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the uh, the customer here. Yeah, please. Well, I'm tuning the truck, so my warranty is voided. You're buying, a, on. you're buying an ECM and TCM core from me, right? That you're gonna tune, right? So, what are you gonna do with your stock ECM and TCM? Well, there'd be a core charge, no? Well, you can pay it and keep them. Okay. And that cost would outset or offset the the warranty side. Yeah, I, I think it's going to give you a lot better odds. Mm-hmm. You, oh, you know, if I was, if I was playing judge on that, I mean, can anybody promise you like, hey, throw your stock ECM and TCM back in? We guarantee you won't have an yeah. issue. Of course not. Nobody can guarantee that. But but you got a lot better fucking chances. I'll tell you that right <laughs> I've now. heard I have heard customers that they never had a tune on the truck. Yeah, but they had thirty fives on the truck, and they had an issue. Took the truck to the dealer, and they wouldn't warranty the truck because it had thirty-five inch tall tires, or they towed the truck and it wasn't, you know, uh, a commercial truck or whatever the case may be, and they would try to squirm their way out of the warranty with that. So, are you we, saying we that? We got to understand there's statistics on any side of this here. Yes. So, uh, right, a lot of this is anecdotal dog shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> which which you need to look at is the is the median, the mean here, and say. On average, are you more likely to have your warranty honored with the emissions equipment on the truck and an ECM and TCM that shows being unmolested, or are you more likely to have your truck warranty honored with everything deleted from the truck? You can't put a stock ECM back in, by the way. Oh, yeah. Hey. Oh, by the way, if you're deleted and you have a problem, like, there's no question, not even like will they notice, just like if you put a stock ECM back in the truck, it's n- you're not going to be able to drive yeah. it to the dealership. You're done. You're, you're done. done. And everything that you just hacked up, now you're pulling that turbocharger back out of the truck. You remember when you're- we talked about putting emissions equipment back on an LML and what a pain in the ass it was? We like, did well, it. We got clean sweep from, yeah, from a, Canada or whatever. It was a huge pain in the ass. Can you just truck. imagine what that would be on an L5P? No. Not going to be any easier. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you get the question too, well- Okay, so 53540 is what the stock trans handles with emissions equipment. So how much power will it handle if I just delete it? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, bud. <laughs> direct, cut, direct quote off our YouTube yeah, channel, by the cut way. Cut the emissions equipment. The emissions equipment isn't hindering anything. There are hard parts that are hindering what we're capable of making. I.e. Okay. the transmission, the fuel system, the yeah, turbo. I mean, cut, cut, cut the emission. The best yeah. question ever I get from guys, oh, you know, I want to, you know, you get, get a lot of RAM inquiries. Oh man, I want to make like 500 horse. I want to rip all that shit off. Well, well, sir, I mean, I have 650 horse uh, emissions equipped. Now nah, you're full of shit. <laughs> right? I am lying on every YouTube video. <laughs> Dinograph and all that. Right, right. Okay, so so there there is a a a larger cost than just the dollars to delete. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think is is really what we're driving at here. What are the benefits? The benefits of deleting? Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm a consumer and I'm I'm looking at, I've had diesel trucks before, all my friends have had diesel trucks, whichever. Sure. Um, everybody says this shit's going to fail and I'm going to be stranded. So so the benefit to me of deleting is reliability. So there's a benefit uh, to deleting that is uh, reliability, right? So you have, a, you have zero chance of your EGR system failing, zero chance of your emission system failing. Yeah. Right. Uh, there's also the ability to go to 600 wheel horsepower deleted. And you're not going to hurt the emissions equipment because it's not there. Okay. So that's an advantage. Trans isn't going to hold it, but... No, no way in hell. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, you can do it, and then maybe you'll buy a trans, or maybe you'll have to buy a trans. I don't know. Yeah. Look, it'd be stupid to ignore that there's some advantage to deleting a truck in that scenario. Sure. Right. But there's also the disadvantages, which it's just important to know. Yeah. And I think the other thing is like when guys talk about making their truck more reliable, I always have that question of like, well, how many trucks were manufactured? How many guys who never had an issue with their emissions equipment and they're an LML, for example, at 150,000 miles and they still have all the stock emissions equipment on it? Like, do you really think that they're a member of Duramax Forum? Like, do you think that guy gets on and posts pictures of his truck on Instagram or has an Instagram account or knows what Instagram is like there, there's so many trucks out there that have had 
wildly reliable trucks with emissions equipment on them, the difference is they've never had a problem to prompt them to go and post about it in social media. So it's really hard to find that statistic. But if you look at like when a company does a recall on a product, that's a that's a mathematical financial formula about what does it cost to fix it? What does it cost for us to just bring it in and recall it, right? Mm-hmm. You got to imagine GM's not crazy. They're not losing money. You, you know, it's a, it's a profitable institution like Yeah. Overall, I think we're pretty safe to say that emissions equipment is lasting at least to that 100,000 mile mark. And that's what I wonder about with a lot of guys is if you're looking at driving that truck and you're saying, man, I really would like more out of this. I I would like to drive this for the next five to seven years, which is what your normal truck uh, loan payments go for. Am I going to drive it for five to seven years wanting something? Am I going to drive to five to seven years really enjoying the way I drive it? And hey, if after 100,000 miles, I decide to do something different, I'll decide to do something different. I think the other thing, you know, a lot of guys will have bad taste in their mouth uh, due to emissions from prior year platforms. Oh, yeah. So, Anybody who owned an LMM, right? Yeah, yeah or I get an it. LLY or an LBZ. Um, with each platform that comes out, it's a different, like, well, it has been this way. It's been a different tier of emissions. And they have to implement other components into the mix. So they really have to bulletproof what was a failure point in the past with the with those parts so EGR systems for an example you don't you don't run into you don't hear of LML EGR failures no like you did LMMs LOIs and LBZs and now we have this L5P which is more robust than the LML Um, so to I would challenge anyone that questions you know the same way that we're talking to Nick about this do some homework the 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 one canned smart-ass remark that I have to guys when they're really pushy is well, your water pump will fucking fail. Are you going to delete that? <laughs> Are you going to delete your turbocharger when that fails? Like, let's be realistic. Like, let's let's just, you know, be black and white thinking here for a minute. Yeah. Uh, it's a moving part. Over time, especially due to vehicle maintenance, things like that, there might be a failure point. Sure. But you have to be smart about that. Absolutely. Cool, man. Uh, Nick, what else are you excited for in the L5Ps? Uh you know, we talked about the larger EGR system. I'm excited for that. I think that's cool. Um, I think the, tr- the cooling system in the truck is beefy. The air intake is beefy on the truck. The transmissions, you know, it, it's a solid trans. It's the same trans was in the LML. Um, I, I just think that, you know, it's GM's got the truck to the point where it's like <laughs> it's making a lot of power. Yeah. Even stock, this truck makes a lot of power. I mean, 405 horsepower to the tire is it's pretty adequate. That's tuned LB7 LOI stuff. You know, like, yeah. let, let's just, you know. I mean, there's not a lot that you can't do with your tuned LB7 on a stock trans. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as, like, normal normal people operating stuff. You right. know what I mean? Um, you know, if you need an extra 100 and, you know, 130 horsepower on your L5P, like, let's be realistic. It's probably for fun. A little bit for fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Just want to keep it reliable. You know, drive the wife around. Keep the kids to get to school yeah. on time. That's yeah. it, oh, if man. I leave five minutes late, I need to I need to make that time up. <laughs> you know, no big deal. Yeah, that's cool. I get it. I get it. But, yeah, that's that's that platform. I mean, that's that's what's going on on that one. we got some other cool stuff on another platform. Am I allowed to switch gears on your platform? Let's do it, man. Yeah. Um, the Ford Power Stroke 3.0 liter. Oh, kind of a neat one. Uh, I, I was just doing some new product trainings with some of the dealers, and yep. I asked, I pulled everybody I did a, a training with about who has seen uh, a three-liter power stroke on the road, and I was surprised at how many guys didn't know they were out there. Didn't know they exist. Just were straight up like, what What I mean, are you talking they're, about? They're fresh, <laughs> they're fresh, though, and I feel like Ford kind of snipered it to market. Like It almost feels like that Nissan Titan release. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, by the way, we have a diesel option. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, 3.0 liter V6, stock 232, 236, 235, somewhere around there. We made a bunch of dyno passes with it, but call it mid-230s to the tire. And uh, we've been working with with tuning on that one. Um, 60 horsepower out of that. Been beating it. (laughs) Been just beating (laughs) on this thing. Trying to to see, you know, like, okay, is it it happy? Is it unhappy? Is it going to put up with this kind of, you know, is it going to put up with, like, idiot driver? Right. Um, and, it, and it seems to be really happy. The transmission. It responded well to me. I like it. I like that 10-speed transmission. 10, uh, ten years. years. Yeah. Can I just, I just wrote a response on Facebook the other day, somebody asking about, like, uh, 
what are our thoughts on the 10 speed transmissions compared to like six speeds that we see in everything yeah. else. And uh, I wrote probably three paragraphs ranting about how much I hate high speed transmissions. Like, you know, sure. like the more gears we get, the worse I, yeah. I like it. Um, and I was like at the bottom, like, fuck, except the F-150 was really nice to drive. <laughs> like, I like was seeing if I could scr- like scrunch my font down to like six font on that so he yeah. wouldn't notice. Yeah. But it, it, it was really nice. It didn't hunt for gear, which is what I always complain about with those. Like the, I, I think the thing that really helps the F-150 is that it doesn't always go through each gear. You know, it goes one, three, two, four. Yeah. It, it'll, it'll skip shift, you know, and that way you're not feeling those 10 upshifts. And not that each upshift is bad because it's not. It shifts nice. No, it's really but, smooth. Uh, you know, it has the ability to skip shift and go between gears if it needs to, and it just always feels like it's in the right gear. Yeah. Yeah, even when I was driving, I took it out for a photo shoot, uh, so I had to run it to the next town over to a decent car wash. And on the way back, of course, I get stuck behind, like, you know, they were doing uh, harvest then. So I get stuck behind, of course, three different grain trucks, all five miles apart from each other, all doing, like, 12 miles an hour pulling into the field. And uh, every time I had to pass one or, like, wait and get around and, like, punch it and get on it— It held. That's really nice. It didn't, nice. like, slam gears to, yeah. like, go to the next. It wasn't like there was, you know, a sledgehammer under my feet. Uh, That's the nicest way of telling your boss you beat his shit. No, I usually just tell him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very honest about Man, how abusive Nick, let I me am tell you. stuff. Let me we tell videotape you. most of most of the times that I abuse this shit, so there's really very little hiding it. <laughs> awesome, man. Yeah, the F-150's been a lot of fun. Um, I guess we're throwing other platforms out there. We've talked a little bit about the Mahindra Roxor. We had you down here to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, still a lot of fun. It's It finally got cold here. I'm done driving it. You can park that thing. Yeah, the windshield, I don't know. I don't know if that's really the fix for the cold. No heater. Uh, yeah, so we're we'll Park probably it. paused on that one for a little <laughs> bit. Maybe a little more dyno time soon. We just got an upgraded clutch for that one. Not that the stock clutch is having a tough time, but I think you know once we go to the bigger turbocharger on it, we'll probably see the end of the stock clutch. So it's good to good to be prepared. Yeah. Um, yeah, excited for that Roxor turbo. Excited for the three liter Ford. I think a little. I think a little turbo upgrade on that one will go a long way. On the three liter Ford. On the three liter Ford, yeah, pretty good access to it through the passenger side wheel well. It's not in the valley like on, you know, Duramax. Right. So it it looks like it it could be uh, could be manipulated pretty easily. So it would, might, we might investigate that in not so distant future. Nice. Very cool. Nice. You heard it first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, guys, that's all the time we have for today. I want to say thanks, Nick, for coming on down. My pleasure. Uh, thank you to all the listeners for checking us out and staying with us throughout all the years that we've been doing Diesel Performance Podcast. I just saw some dates on it. Uh, we're we're over our anniversary again, so we're okay. we're three years on this now. Mm. It's been over 250 episodes. Three years ago, we did the first budget episode? Yeah. That's yeah. nuts. Crazy, uh, right? I'm getting old. This sucks. Crazy. <laughs> uh, for today, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. And Nick Prignitz. Thanks for listening. The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTuner.com. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including the Duramax, Cummins, PowerStroke, John Deere, Case, New Holland, and many more. For more information and great customer service, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. Suckered by temptation, uh, subject to... Uh, the impulse to one-up their friends, right? I don't know why you're calling me and Chris out right now. We're in the room with you.